0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Working as an elementary school teacher from home, it's taken a toll on Nancy Shively. And I'm not just talking about an emotional toll. I'm talking about a physical toll. You can see it in her living room.
0: Oh, man, I've got tubs piled up, and
1: I've got
0: boxes of regular, like, desk supplies and my coffee maker and all that.
1: Nancy teaches special ed, mostly works with second and third graders. She lives just outside Tulsa, Oklahoma.
0: I used to tell people I lived halfway between the Pioneer Woman and Garth Brooks. (laughs) But Garth Brooks moved back to Nashville, so that
1: ruined that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. What would you normally be doing around this time of year? Um,
0: I would have already gotten the key to my classroom. I would be up there trying to figure out how to set my desks up. You know, I'd be setting up the bulletin boards.
1: Of course, this fall is going to be a little different, with teachers like Nancy wondering if the coronavirus is waiting for them back in the classroom. You can hear Nancy calculating these trade-offs in her head, whenever she talks, because she knows how essential being physically present is for her kids, especially after experimenting with remote learning in the spring. We're in a
0: rural area, so a lot of kids don't have internet connectivity. Or if they do, maybe the only device I have is a parent's phone. Um, so yeah, it makes it really hard, especially when you're working with special needs kids. There was one little girl that, even her, their cell phone service wasn't that great. There was a lot of cutting out, and that's what made it difficult. It
1: sounds like, in a lot of ways, you'd like to go back to school. Absolutely,
0: <laughs> yeah, I would. You form relationships with the kids and with
1: your coworkers, and yeah, I miss that. Nancy's school district it's set to reopen in less than two weeks, full time, in person. You said normally you'd have your key by now, but you haven't gone back yet. Are you avoiding it?
0: No, I don't think so. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just still not sure if I'm going back or not. That's, you know, um, I need to you know make a firm
1: decision on that. Today on the show, Nancy's choice. A lot of teachers feel like they're facing the same grim decision about school this fall. But for Nancy, her decision, it isn't just personal, it's political. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. To understand Nancy's reluctance to decide about school this year, you need to know how Nancy's thinking has evolved over just the last few months as she's watched the coronavirus spread. Like the majority of people in Oklahoma, Nancy voted for President Trump in 2016. She says she did it reluctantly. Back then, her main concern was abortion.
0: My faith tradition teaches that life is sacred. All life is sacred. Human beings are made in the image of God and deserve respect. And whether they're an infant in the, in the womb or whether they're a 90-year-old grandmother, you know. So those issues have always been important to me. But I'm, I'm looking around and I'm seeing people dying everywhere that didn't have to die. And because
1: I am pro-life, that makes me angry, you know. Nancy's anger has actually been growing for a couple of years. She's a lifelong Republican, but she started speaking out because she was worried about the condition of Oklahoma's schools. For a long time, her state ranked second to last in terms of teacher salaries. It didn't seem fair. So Nancy mobilized with some colleagues. 2018, um, we had a teacher walkout in Oklahoma,
0: which is kind of our version of a strike. It was a nine-day walkout. Yeah. Um, and so I went down to the capitals some of those days and watched my Republican legislators from my district literally hiding from the teachers because they didn't want to talk to us. On the other hand, the Democratic, you know, legislators were perfectly happy to talk to us and gave us some really good advice. And, you know, and, I'm, and I, so I'm watching these guys and I'm like, this is not the Republican Party I grew up with. I rationalized to myself that I could stay in the Republican Party and, you know, cause trouble that way. But, but then when the virus the virus hit and people were actually dying and President Trump is doing nothing, I thought, I cannot stay in this party anymore. It's the party I knew is gone. So clearly, I remember clearly I was sitting there watching one of those press conferences and I had my iPad out. I thought, I wonder if I can change my registration online. And I looked it up. And... <gasps> During a President Trump press conference? Yeah. And uh, so I did. It doesn't, because of Oklahoma state laws, it's not effective until the end of August. But yeah, it, I changed it to independent. And I might still change it to Democrat. I don't know. But that was a big step for a lifelong Republican.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine. And you, you wrote this op-ed for USA Today where you really clearly laid out, first of all, that you're a teacher, second of all, that you are a Trump voter who now thinks that was a huge mistake. One of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life. That's right up there. Did you hear from any friends or colleagues after that article came out sort of saying, hey, I didn't expect this, or I want to talk to you about this?
0: I think it got out in town. because it's a small town and you know uh, for example uh my husband works for the town and he's a mechanic
1: hmm.
0: and one of my headlights had gone out and i wasn't aware of it and i had been driving around town and 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 my husband came home and said oh so and so said your headlights out and i'm like what
1: <laughs> you know? that's how small the town is yeah
0: so, um, so I'm pretty sure it got around. I, you know, I talked about it on my Facebook page and what did people say there? There were a few on there that were like, thank you for being a teacher. Thank you for you know, what you're doing.
1: And then there were a uh, the majority of them were negative. Yeah. Because it's so interesting. Like I think of you as being on the, like straddling this border. Do you think about how to get these two very different worlds to talk to each other? And if there's a way to kind of get them to share a perspective.
0: One of the things I have loved about um, this whole, you know, the Republican voters against Trump and the Lincoln project and all of those, it's be- is that Republicans and Democrats are actually talking to each other. And that hasn't happened in a really long time. And I'm really enjoying that, <laughs> that space. Although I have gotten a whole lot of negative feedback um, from the left about my article, which surprised me. I expected to get it from the Trump contingent, but no, it's almost exclusively from the left. What are they saying? They're saying um, oh, it was perfectly clear in 2016, and you voted for him anyway. They say, "Well, so you were okay with babies in cages and blah 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 blah," and you you didn't clue in until it affected you personally. And there is a grain of ter- truth to that, but you know they're really mean about it online. So. I just try to let it
1: roll off my back. Nancy lets all this roll off her back because she's got plenty of other more vexing problems on her mind. Lately, she's been thinking a lot about her students. What are the kids like at the school you teach at?
0: They're just normal kids. We're, we're a Title I school, so a big chunk of our kids qualify for free lunch, reduced lunch. So there's a lot of poverty um, rural America has been decimated by methamphetamines and other addictions. So there's that problem. The social issues have not been addressed for so long. And the kids get to school and they haven't had the kind of socialization. They haven't had they haven't been read to. They you know they're missing all kinds of things because of their poverty or because their parents, you know, aren't there for them in, in ways that they should be. Um, And so they get to school and they've got all these deficits to start off with. And it's not just Oklahoma, although it's really bad here. It's the entire
1: country. So you said that you're having trouble deciding whether you're going to go back to school this year. What makes you worried in particular when you think about walking into that classroom, putting up stuff on the bulletin board?
0: You know, on paper my setup would be kind of ideal because I only have a few kids in my room at a time. And um, it's not like I'm in a classroom with 20 plus kids all day long. They come in and they go out, but I have some underlying health conditions. I'm over 60. I'm overweight. And none of that is going to bode well if I catch coronavirus. And So my school district has now said when we start back that they will start back with masks. I I initially heard that we weren't, but they are going to. But yet, you know, the more they learn about it being airborne, there's not any kind of air filtration in the school. And from what I understand right now, the kids are all going to be eating lunch together like they always do. And it just seems very risky to
1: me. When did you start getting worried about COVID-19? Like, were you worried from the beginning when stuff started shutting down? Or was there a different moment for you?
0: Well, it's funny because, you know, when they first started talking about it back in February, or when I first became aware, I think it's probably back in, in the January, 1st of February. And, you know, I've been around for the swine flu and the bird flu and, you know, none of which really impacted me. I think I had H1N1
1: that year but um as a teacher i imagine you're kind of used to like stuff spreads well you are (laughs) because
0: kids are so gross you have no idea
1: (laughs) oh i have too i have an idea
0: oh well then you do um (laughs) yeah so you know i'm on a normal day i'm you know using sand you know clorox wipes and hand sanitizer and all that that just comes with the job you know in a small town like Mine, were kind of the germ stew pot for the community. You know, if it gets going Hmm. in full, it's going everywhere else too. And so at first I was like, yeah, okay, this is another one of those. It'll be all right. It'll come. It'll go. And then actually my daughter had clued into it faster than I did. And I had a feeling when we let out for spring break that I might not be coming back.
1: Hmm. That's how it was in New York City where we we had spring break coming and all of a sudden it was like you know what, why don't you just stay off? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you know, I feel so bad for the parents. My, my kids are all grown and, and I had quite a few years as a single mom. I don't know what I would have done because I would have had to work. So, you know, what do you do with your kids? <laughs> um, it's just a really difficult
1: situation all around. Yeah, so what is the plan? in your town for how you come back and do school. Have you seen it? Um, Yes, they finally
0: put one up a couple of days ago. Oklahoma has put, you know, a color-coded map by county. Depending on what the virus activity is in your county, your county will be colored yellow or red or, you know, whatever. And so my school district has taken that and they're going to implement protocols based on whatever that is at the time. So right now we're at a yellow, so that means um, everybody's going to be wearing masks.
1: And the idea is you'll be back in the classroom five days a week? Yes. Poof. When will they clean? I guess after school. Does that feel like enough to you? Like it's protective? No, it
0: doesn't. And with it being as airborne as it is and knowing kids the way I do, I just don't see how we're going to avoid outbreaks
1: in schools. Um, I just don't. Is there any talk about what the school would do if a kid or a teacher tested positive?
0: The information I got back in June was that if there were one or two cases, they wouldn't close a building for one or two cases. But that if I think it was more than that, then, you know, they would close a building. But the way this thing spreads (laughs) So quickly, one to two cases could multiply into fifty, and nothing flat. So,
1: that's a huge concern. I can hear that you're scared. That you're like just thinking about this in your mind. I am, um,
0: because the virus is very predictable. We've seen what it's done. You know, the doctors and the scientists, you know, told the states, you know, you need open slowly, and this is why, and they were pretty much ignored. And now we have, you know, raging outbreaks in Arizona where my sister lives and Texas and, you know, and our governor isn't being proactive at all. He doesn't want to do a mask mandate, although Tulsa and I think Oklahoma City have done their own. So there's that failure of leadership. And I don't know why people think that Oklahoma would be exempt from what's going on in Arizona or Texas.
1: Well, let's talk about the school year a little bit, because as a parent, I'm thinking about this, like not just what happens if a kid gets sick, but just imagining being in a classroom and what happens there. Like you said, kids are going to be required to wear masks in the classroom. Teachers, too?
0: Well, they're going to need to be wearing masks when they're out amongst other classes than their own. I know some teachers have said they don't want their kids wearing cl- masks inside the classrooms. They don't want that. Yeah. Why? Well, like I said, the town is full of a lot of people who think the whole mask thing is a big hoax. And some of them are teachers. Well, they be required to be six feet apart? Oh, there's no way. You You can't do that. The classrooms are too small. There's like 25 kids in a class. And the other thing is, especially... In a low-income area where parents are working what they're calling now essential jobs, um, where the parents don't have college degrees and they're, they're working minimum wage or slightly above jobs, they get penalized if they stay home with a sick kid. So it is very common for kids to come to
1: school sick in a normal year. So if a kid comes into your classroom sick, are you empowered to say, listen, not today, you know, maybe come back tomorrow when you're feeling better, next week? No, I have no power. <laughs> I would send them to the office. And then um,
0: if the nurse was in the building, and that's another thing. We have two nurses in our school district for 2,400 kids in five buildings. And I'm sure there's no funds to
1: buy enough, you know, to hire any more. I mean, that it's funny that part that you mentioned about how some teachers don't want the kids wearing masks, and it raises this question about, like, who makes the rules and whose rules are they? Well, here's the thing. The
0: school districts are coming up with plans, but by and large, those are plans for the students and the parents. There's very little plans for the teachers. Um, you know, what happens if, if you get exposed and have to stay out of school for two weeks? Do you have to eat up all your sick leave? There's just so much unknown the Oklahoma City public schools have decided to have the first nine weeks, which is the first quarter of school, um, starting out online. Um, I
1: think Tulsa is about to make that decision as well. Are you sort of hoping that that rolls into your district too?
0: Yeah, I, I am. But the thing is, um, even if we start out, I have to sign a contract for the entire year. So I would be fine if we started out with virtual, but what happens when they decide to reopen again, you know, and they want me to go back in the classroom
1: and I'm bound to a contract. Um, And if you just didn't show up, what would happen then? I don't know.
0: (laughs) Um, Probably nothing. I don't know. Um, But I wouldn't want to do that. That's not fair to the kids. That's not fair, you know, to the school district. If i if I don't think I can, I can do it medically, then I need to decide now and let them know so they can get somebody in who can. There's so many teachers that have medical issues, autoimmune diseases in particular, that administrations don't know anything about because they're kind of invisible diseases. Um, and I just have this feeling if they, they force everybody back into the classroom, you know, we've all been kind of waiting to see how this is going to go. I think there's going to be a lot of resignations. They're going to have a lot of vacancies to fill. We don't have enough substitute teachers to begin with. So what are they going to do when a teacher comes down with it and is out for weeks? Is there any talk about hazard pay for people like you? Oh, heavens no. (laughs) That would be lovely, but that's not going to happen.
1: So I know that you said you're expected to go back and and start getting ready in the next week. How are you going to make this decision? Well, my kids, particularly my daughters,
0: have asked me not to go back. You know, like I said, I've got some some factors that would make it really bad. And um, I lost my own mother in my early 30s. And that's the age where my daughters are right now. And um, I don't want to put them through that. <laughs> you know, I don't want to die either, but I, I don't want that for them either. So I think it's going to have to come down to, you know, choosing to protect myself for my kids' sake or going back to school for my students' sake. It's, it's, it's a ridiculous position to be in. And it comes, in my opinion, from a failure of leadership from the president who abdicated his responsibility in dealing with this in the first place. so he passes it down to the states, some of which did a good job, some of which, like Oklahoma, did a crappy job and so here we have the virus spreading everywhere because people wouldn't listen and then if the governors passed the book down to the, to the local jurisdictions and then down to the school. It's like everybody's pushing the consequences of these decisions down the road, kicking the can down the road farther and farther. Well, the one place that it absolutely has to stop is with teachers and children. And I'm not willing to take the consequences for our failed leadership by going into a school in a situation I
1: know is not going to be safe. Nancy Shively, thank you so much for joining me. Good luck this year. It's my pleasure, thank you. Nancy Shively is a teacher in Oklahoma. Since we recorded this interview, Nancy told us she's made her decision about going back to school. She's planning to announce her resignation. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Jason DeLeon, Daniel Hewitt, and Mary Wilson. We've got a little help from Daniel Avis. We are led by Alicia Montgomery and Allison Benedict. Thanks for listening. I'm Mary Harris. I'll catch you back here tomorrow.
0: With the Lucky Lands Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.